Kairos Milwaukee United Church of Christ presents What is Your Name? The sermon by the Reverend Jean Randall Bodman presented on Sunday, June 23rd, 2019. There was a man possessed by demons. They made him so wild that he couldn't remain among living people, but wandered among the tombs. He wandered so long that his clothes had worn away, and he was unable to speak except in the voice of the very demons that tormented him. When these demons saw Jesus, they called out, What have you to do with us, Jesus, Son of the Most High God? It was a good question then, and it's a good question now. What does Jesus have to do with us, now, in this time, with the things that are binding us? What kind of freedom do we need? And would we be happy if we received it? Or like the townspeople, would we be afraid and ask Jesus, please, to go away again and leave us alone? As we enter today's gospel story, Jesus has been traveling the countryside of Galilee, teaching and healing and even raising from the dead. He has been living out what he proclaimed back in Nazareth, when he entered the synagogue, unrolled the scroll, and read from Isaiah, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he sat down and announced, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Even before the healing of the possessed man, the context is full of amazement and fear. Jesus has just single-handedly calmed a storm on the Sea of Galilee and then admonished the disciples for their lack of trust in him when they were afraid on the water. The moment they went ashore after that dramatic boat ride, they encountered a man so demon-possessed he had to be shackled and kept under guard. For Luke and for his readers, the world was riddled with spirits, with demons who distorted creation and overwhelmed people, confusing their minds and changing their hearts. Human beings were understood to be quite porous and open to all kinds of spiritual influences. In the same way that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit, many others were understood to be filled with unholy spirits. That may sound very foreign to our modern sensibilities, but it may also echo our experiences of the many death-dealing forces in our own inner and outer worlds. We may feel that we too are possessed or caught up in dynamics that are beyond our intentions or our control. And we wonder who we are, who we have become. We may not be able to name ourselves correctly. We may call ourselves unworthy, unlovable, unholy, unfathomable. 
We can think of how addiction overwhelms individuals and families, how racism shapeshifts over time between explicit and implicit forms, how anger can consume us and make us behave in ways we don't recognize when the moment has passed, how envy devours us when a person we love receives what we want, or how xenophobia can create a pervasive culture of degradation that we think we're fighting, but we subtly buy into. All of these are ways in which we might find ourselves bound. We may or may not call our addiction or our racism or our xenophobia demons, but they are most certainly and surely demonic. They move through the world as though through a kind of cunning. Sometimes, for what can seem like an eternity, they seem to resist our best attempts to overcome them. And as we make those attempts, the experience can be less like figuring out an equation. If I do A, then B will follow. If I meditate, I will no longer be angry. If I give thanks, I will no longer be envious. But it doesn't always work. Our equations fall apart. And it feels more like we are wrestling with a beast than filling in the blanks. What does Jesus have to do with our bondage, with our inner demons, and with the systems in the world that overwhelm us and keep us feeling captive to them? I saw a poignant clip from the BBC series called Year After Year that pointed this out for me. Thank you, Ian. I found it on Facebook. Year After Year is a show that I've never seen, but that almost doesn't matter. In the clip, a family is gathered around a long, beautifully set table for some kind of feast. A woman I took to be the matriarch of the family went on a little tear about all that has gone wrong in the world and who should be taking the blame. She looks around the beautiful people at the beautiful table and she says, you, you are to blame. We, we are to blame. Because when we get to the store and find a t-shirt for one pound, that's about a dollar and 25 cents to us, we think that's a great deal. I'll have that, we say. We don't think about the local shopkeeper who makes only a few cents on that sale, or the factory worker who works in appalling conditions, making an unlivable wage to make that shirt so that we can buy it for $1.25. We're just caught up in a system that convinces us that it is our right and our nature to have a lot of stuff. That since our capitalist system will only keep working if we keep buying, that purchasing lots of stuff is in fact patriotic and good. And then, of course, as has been in the news, and I'm sure is on all of our hearts, there is the system of catching people at our southern border. We want some kind of system. We want to be safe. So how hard do we cry out for the safety of foreign children? Do we think they are foreign? Do we think that they are foreign to Jesus?
In the words of Presbyterian pastor and denomination president Jill Duffield, whatever events have threatened, let me pause and ask the question, what if in the midst of those systems, the systems of capitalism and the systems of catching people on the border, the quote immigration system, which isn't, what if in the midst of all of that, we could hear Jesus asking us, what is your name? Who are you in this? Whatever events have threatened to erase our humanity, whoever has thwarted our understanding of our own worth, Jesus wants to know, what is your name? Just as he asked the possessed man. The one who counts the hairs on our heads and knits us together in our mother's womb, who knows each word before we speak it, meets us when we hit rock bottom, He finds us chained to tombstones and surrounded by death and asks, what is your name? Recognizing that you are so much more than any demons that possess you, any systems that ensnare you, Christ overpowers them and sends them packing, restoring us to our right minds and our rightful place among the living. God responds to us by saying, You are not legion, or worthless, or unfathomable, or unlovable, or any other label less than child of God, beloved, made whole, restored to life, empowered to tell your story so that others will know the love and grace and mercy of God too, empowered to join with others to work for God's justice. God's presence and God's word does not always, as we would wish, immediately change the circumstances around us. The graveyard still exists. The demons, no doubt, still swirl in the sea long after the swine have drowned. But we are clothed and in our right minds, empowered and sent out, filled with the goodness and mercy of God. The world looks dark. The demons are legion. Jezebel still seek to kill God's prophets. The vulnerable are exploited. Kings abuse their power and the innocent suffer. It is enough to make you flee and hide. Sometimes it makes you feel as if you are chained to a tomb. But take heart. Angels will appear just when we think we've reached our limit. Sustenance will come when we least expect it, and from sources we did not see. God speaks in sheer silence. Jesus shows up at the cemetery. The least of the least of these is lifted up and given divine commissioning. The man who had been possessed becomes an apostle. The strongest of demons cannot withstand the command of the Messiah, and the powers of empire will inevitably crumble. We are called to proclaim the word of God, to speak God's truth to corrupt powers, to go where God sends us, to tell our story of transformative grace, of the love of God. Although we may once have labeled ourselves unworthy, 
unlovable, unfathomable, legion. We are brought back to our own right names. Having been named child of God, beloved, freed one, we do well to ask ourselves how we name the people who are around us. By what name are we calling the children at our southern border? Immigrant, refugee, asylum seeker, lawbreaker, illegal, child, child of God. By what name are we calling the places where they are being held? Jail, detention center, cage, camp? What's in a name after all? How do we talk about what undocumented people have done when they come to our border and attempt to cross it? And how do we speak about them? Have they committed a status violation or a crime? Are they illegals or are they people without documents? I confess that given the week that was with the US on the brink of a military strike against Iran and with people in my own family having some health and injury issues, everyone is fine, but I was the point person. I find myself deeply aware of the fragility of all of our lives. So much so that I, found my, I have found myself all week unaccountably moved by things that I normally would pass over. I saw a video this week, and maybe this touched me because I used to be a runner, but it was a video of a heavyset man a few hundred yards from the finish of a marathon. He looked nowhere near fit enough to be running. A race that looked like it had cost him everything. He was staggering to a stop 400, 500 yards from the finish line, so close to his goal, but just unable to go on. When out of the left side of the frame, a volunteer jumped in beside him. Now, he didn't touch the man, because if you touch a runner, they become disqualified. He didn't touch him. Instead, he ran beside him and gave him his energy. He named him Abel. He cheered him into the possibility of finishing. He would not give up on this guy, and he would not let the man give up on himself. So the runner didn't give up. He kept going, step by laborious step. He was not magically turned into a fit and lithe runner who leapt over the finish line. He just made it step by laborious step heaving with sobs. He made it over the line. The cheerleader did not call him by the name overweight, in over your head, amateur, loser. He called him runner, finisher, human being. And he jumped in to do what all of us are meant to do for each other lending our energy to help our fellow humans finish their races, granting them dignity and encouragement, blessing them to live up to themselves. Jesus sends us back to where we came from to spread the good news of what God has done for us and to be encouragement to the other humans 
running whatever race life has given them. Job seeking, medical treatment, child raising, weaving grief into the story of your life. And to be a witness against a system that is set up to serve some and dispossess others. Jesus names us disciples. Amen. Listen, listen, God is speaking to you.